Drink driving is one of the biggest killers on our roads. According to the road safety charity Brake, in 2017 there were at least 250 alcohol-related deaths. Brian Sofletto is an A&E doctor in the US and he's been spending the last 15 years developing digital interventions that can stop people from drinking and driving. Lately, he's been working on a system that uses a smartphone to analyse the way a person walks and pick up on subtle giveaways that they might be over the limit. Katie Haler heard how it works. So we brought healthy volunteers into the lab in the morning and then we had them walk down the hallway and then we had them drink a standard amount of alcohol based on their weight to reach a target blood alcohol content. And then we had every hour them walk down the hall to retest their walking in balance. What tech are we talking about? Because this is using a smartphone, right? Sure. You can use any smartphone. Uh, There are what are called inertial sensors embedded within, I believe, every single smartphone produced. And in three axes, forward, backward, side to side, and up and down, they're continuously collecting data on movement. And so you can take any smartphone, and if you know how to get out that data, you can understand patterns of movement of an individual through a three-dimensional space. So we attached the phones to the lower back. We had them carry the phone in their hands as well as in their front pocket to determine whether the model works in those different positions. What did you actually find? Does this work? It not only worked in general, but worked across individuals. Each individual has their own unique and idiosyncratic gait, and we used each person as their own control. Similar features uh, across individuals are important to model what happens with alcohol intoxication. So is it the case that the smartphone was able to establish this person is actually over the, say, legal limit for driving and that it was reliable? Yes, it was accurate and reliable across individuals. Um, I think it's important to note, however, that it's not the smartphone in itself is not the magical component. It's in the feature development. So anyone couldn't just extract this accelerometer data from phones and come up with the answer of whether someone's drunk. And I think that becomes important because people are worried that third parties would just have this data. It's important to understand that these signals were put into complex mathematical equations to extract the features that are important. So would the idea be that, say, you know, one day if this gets further developed, um, someone might be walking along to their car and they get a bleep on their phone that says it would not be appropriate for you to drive now. Is that is that the idea? That's one of the main applications we're thinking of. The difficulty is when you're trying to interact with somebody who's already intoxicated, how receptive they would be to those sort of messages at that time. What other affiliates can you bring in to help that individual when they're impaired? Oh, I see. So your husband or wife or somebody that knows you very well, they get a message saying this person's drunk, go and pick them up. Both are interesting ideas. Both we need to develop the science on because actually nobody knows what the best ways are. But I think you and I can both imagine that you probably may have to do both. Where is that data going? Would it be appropriate to send that to, say, the emergency services or or maybe the police? You know, could there be a situation where you end up getting getting pulled over kind of thing because of the data on your phone? I think that is a big concern in everything we do in our modern lives. Again, what's important to understand is that for this data to be useful from a phone, you would need um, that person to, number one, opt in to providing that. And number two is they would need to um, train the system. So you may need to train a model, meaning that at some point before we're able to determine whether they are drunk or not, 
they would need to provide occasions, at least a few, to train a model to say, okay, on these occasions I was not drinking, on these occasions I was drinking, to be able to then say in the future of how their gait changed. So not anybody can just access this data on their phone and make sense of it. What about people who perhaps don't move in the way that the um, the accelerometer might expect, you know, people with movement disorders? Is this where the importance of how, being your own control comes in? Yeah, exactly. So everyone has their own gait. If you had, let's say you had um, fractured your leg as a child and you have a little bit of a hitch in your gait, in your step, um, you know, you would serve as your own control so that we would know that, you know, this is what you look like under your best conditions. Um, and, and this is how it changes when you, when you're impaired. I also think that there's contextual and interesting things like, you know, we did this in a controlled setting where we had them walk down a street hallway. However, in the real world, you know, there are bar stools, there are people to avoid. And so the data becomes a lot more noisy. Brian Sofletto there, and his paper on that work is in the Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs.